This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com slash potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Potential Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Stewart, and I'm joined by my co-host and mummy chaser, Taylor Sokol. How are we doing, Taylor? Here we are, you know. We're in September. School's back in session, and we're in that kind of that kind of nice time where we're starting to see a bit of change of color. We're getting ready for fall. Fall is about to hit us, and honestly, for me, I know you get the heat in Pennsylvania for a while, and then I think you have much more of a drastic, you know, a much more drastic like change of weather. Here, it's a slow burn, it's a slow slope. So I'm really ready for summer to okay. Goodbye now. I, I want some cooler weather. 
over yeah. here in California. Here, friends again. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, it, it's funny because I think you are all intents and purposes. And for those of you, welcome back uh, to the podcast. Thank you again for listening. This is your first time, millionth time, but keep hitting that subscribe button and share with your friends and family or people you hate. Uh, maybe they need a better, maybe maybe they need to be happy in their lives. Listen to us. Um, no, you know, it's funny. All intents and purposes, you are now, I think, back to being a California boy. Uh, yeah. A man, I guess you'd say. Um, I, 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 like I said with you, I know, I'm a man. Not that we're men. Uh, so it's so funny to talk to you about the different seasons, but yeah, this is the last couple of weeks here, um, of fall. We've got, um, you know, not be able to use the pool anymore. Um, but I do love the good fall weather. I do like, I actually do. I love a good sweater. I love enjoying more coffee, more fall. A good cardigan. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good breeze. I love some pumpkins. So, but I'm looking forward to it and it's a, it's a little bit uh, different, especially when, even though we don't have kids, it's, you know, when kids are at school, it's a different change of pace when you go out and about, uh, like during weekdays and stuff like that, weeknights. Yeah, it's true. You have a, a little less. Movies are more fun for work. us. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of nice. Unless you're going on the weekends, you're going to see a lot less uh, traffic for the most part. But, you know, September, it really is that kind of unique time where we see kind of a blend of the end of the action packed summer and then we're heading into the beginning of the spooky season. We got to wrap up the summer season in a good way. And speaking of hey. wrap up, hey, how about that segue? <laughs> that was a nice segue there. Um, yeah, we thought, you know, we, we should talk today about really what is a franchise. It's a franchise that's had kind of multiple outlets. But we want to specifically look at really what was the reinvention of this franchise in the late 90s moving forward. And I think for us, it really was uh, why it speaks to us as much as that was our introduction really to this character i mean we're, we're talking today about the mummy franchise and specifically more how stephen summers reinvented that franchise and how how the mummy has been approached moving forward into even our modern audiences obviously yes there are several movies from as early as 1932 on we have the original series the universal monster movies you know boris karloff playing the mummy uh into the hammer series and those are all great and fun. And, you know, I think especially when you get to Halloween, it is always fun as, you know, we did an episode on the original classic Universal Monster movies. There's something fun about to go back and watch them. Most of them are pretty short, hour, hour 15. Uh, the black and white, you know, I, lo- I do love elements of that. But in 1999, when we got The Mummy by Stephen Summers, this movie was taking the concept of the, the, the lore, the, you know, the mythos, but in this really fun action comedy blockbuster, like bigger than it's ever been done. And the movie still holds up so well. And for many fans of, of course, Brendan Fraser, one of our favorite actors, this is like peak Brendan Fraser. I mean, he's done so many great films and we're kind of hoping that, you know, he's now getting, getting back to, getting more movie offers again. Oh, this is, yeah, I mean, he was- The Fraser Sons, as we call it, right? A Fraser, I like it, yeah, and he was- But this was, this was like, you know, when this movie came out, I mean, I was 11. This was like mind-blowing to me. It was such a great combo of, it is, it does have the horror element in there. Of course, there's a lot of scary images and stuff, but just action comedy. It was the ride of a life. I just, I remember this blew my mind, honestly. Well, it was very interesting, and I remember I had never, I had not seen it in theaters. The first time I saw it was DVD, and this is right when the DVD was still in its infancy. So I remember like this was the this movie stuck out me 
Um, I think because, you know, we've talked about this. I never watched a lot of horror growing up. I kind of stayed away from it. If it was across the street, I would, on the same, I'd go to the other side of the street. Um, so for me, this was really great because it, there was a lot of scary moments, but was very like fun. It was a good way for me to dip my toe into the horror pool, if you will. But um, I remember distinctly seeing it on DVD with my parents, and we we absolutely loved this movie. And it was something. It's kind of hard to replicate that. You think about before that we had Indiana Jones. It had a little bit of that humor. Uh, the effects were pretty great at the time. This one had. It was a great blend, like you said, of horror. These amazing and think about 1999, where like CGI is still like coming along. I mean, you think about we talked about on earlier this year we talked about like Jurassic Park, and all these other films where through the early 90s to the to early to late 90s, CGI was like all the all the rage, but wasn't really good. And this one, like you said, still holds up the quality of CGI, the grand scale of the adventure. And also kind of that claustrophobic moments where you're you're in the tombs, you're out in the desert. And um, yeah, it was just, oh man, it's, you know, like I said, but seeing this first movie, I think, yeah, like we said, let's give it up for Brendan Fraser. I mean, he is without, he is a huge part of this movie. I think he is not, if you took him out, it would still be a good film, but he is a, a key element throughout this franchise that really keeps it together. He really does take on that, like you said, Indiana Jones, um, kind of like the character, you know, he easily could have been, I could have seen him in this heyday if these games had come out at the time. He could have been a Nathan Drake uh, in an Uncharted series. He he has that leading man macho side to him, but also we see heart and we have the humor. And I think that was a great thing about the script is, it does have a lot of humor to it, a lot of lighthearted moments. Obviously, there's a character of Jonathan who is it was great with some of the comedic elements, but even this the plot, I think it was, you know, you look at the mummy, it's okay, the mummy's gonna come back to life and you know, torture people and try to get back to its full strength. What is its end goal here? And how do we like combine that with a little bit of history, maybe a little bit of you know, fact, uh, you know, with some, you know, try, not trying to be too over the top with just oh, all this is made up and fake. But it really was like a just over the top big blockbuster. I mean, I remember that the whole first sequence of the movie is this whole history of Imhotep and like how did he even become a mummy? And these giant grand shots of Egypt, you're seeing the pyramids and like all this stuff, and then getting to know like okay, this is what happened. He he was hooking up with you know the the pharaohs basically like wife and then was discovered and had one of the most horrific things done to you. Obviously, if you know a little history about mummies themselves, that you know, their organs were put into jars, uh, their brains were taken out through the nose. Like just it's a kind of a crazy process of what was really their their step into the afterlife. But of course those people were dead when you did it. Yes. Whereas Imhotep, he is buried alive. Uh his tongue's, tongues removed. Out. And then he is very alive, but eaten by scarabs, which, oh my God, the scarabs in this film, that was like the scariest. That was creepy. Oh, the creepy crawlies of this film. The creepy crawlies that they they dig into your skin and they basically search for your brain and to eat it. And so he's definitely just, oh man, beaten up to a point of just uh, terrible and buried alive. So you got to think too, like, man, we already have a, a good setup to then. Also, I just love the time period. I really like that this this movie decides to stay in a time period of like we're not going to modern day. This is like the 1920s. Like it's a great 
era. It's the roaring 20s of the thinking of like, man, the possibilities are endless. And I think that that's why films like Indiana Jones and all that did very well. Because that 20s to that 40s time period is just so kind of, it's just that adventure. And then you don't have all this technology to kind of hold you down. It's still like people had to get by with their wits and, and more, um, you know, survival and smarts and things like that. So I thought just something is magical about that time period. I'll definitely agree. Yeah, because even even the weapons, you know, we mostly have these long range uh, rifles, Tommy or guns. we have uh, the little, yeah, like you know, handgun things, and then obviously using you know, weapons like swords and spears and things. But I mean, the mummy himself, Imhotep, so Arnold Vosloo who's fantastic in both these movies as the as the mummy. I think that was the thing too. Is it's the the CGI element of how when the mummy finally is awoken and seeing the steps of when it does feed on one of these, you know, poor souls. Oh my gosh. Some of, some of the best part of the movie that when he sucks the souls out of people. Yes. <laughs> very creepy, very creepy. And a lot, I do love a lot of it is you see more of it, like a shadow in the background of like a body. And then like, it's like sucked of it's, you know, it's just like kind of a, a husk living there, but him, the evolution of him kind of getting back to his full strength. There was a lot of great visual work with, I think, not only CGI, but also some makeup to really show how, you know, he goes from this rotting corpse to a fully fledged, you know, looking like a human again. But then you have to think, too, he has these crazy powers, like the powers to where, like, he has, you know, obviously the plagues, you know, we have the idea of locusts and and blood and everything. And then I love the element of how he could, like... (laughs) control like sandstorms and things and he you know his mouth opens like really really loud you know really huge and the way he can control mummies it makes for a grand scale villain that you're really like you know what he's terrifying he's scary he's creepy and we see why we need to ultimately get this guy you know back in the grave if you will um another shout out here rachel weiss is fantastic as evelyn uh, this really was like, I think for probably both of us, this was our introduction to her. I don't think we had seen anything with her in it prior. And, you know, she's done a couple other big franchise movies. Like, obviously, recently we we got to see her in Black Widow. But she hasn't done a lot of what I would consider, like, big action or pop culture stuff. She's done more of, like, what I consider, like, uh, you know, uh, dramatic acting, you know. I think she's great in this role. I love that we have the the kind of meek, smart educated you know historic saurian character and you know rick o'connell comes off as kind of the brute and of course it's like i can never see myself with that man and this is even that first moment when he's in the jail and he's like you know you know how to get to the the city he's like yeah i'll get you there and he like grabs her and kisses her and it's like get me the hell out of here yeah yeah and she's kind of turned on a little bit by that little bit of action and then of course like and he's like, in the, he looks all scruffy and messy. Oh, man, and then like, yeah. then he cleans up like, ooh. I was just talking about the Americans and how like, I think the Americans in this are, they're set up to be almost like idiots. Like they're just very, um, they're very greedy. And so, you know, a typical lesson in a lot of these horror movies is you have the greedy character doesn't realize that they're about to get themselves into danger. But uh, we have to talk about one of my favorite characters. And this is a, an actor that Steven Summers works with in most of his movies. Kevin J. O'Connor, who plays Benny, is a great character. You just always have to have that wormy little squirrel character that just, he's like a rat. He just always survives somehow. 
and some of the humor with him and Rick that, you know, they fought together and like that war and then, you know, goodbye, Benny. And then how he, he then joins the Americans. He's really trying to do this for the money and the wealth. And then he eventually is even basically taken on as like little assistant to the mummy. His little henchman. Yeah. Which, Oh my God, such a great scene when he's trying to like pray to all these gods to protect himself. <laughs> and then eventually he does the Jewish one. And he's like, ah, oh, the, the voice of the slaves. I think I could use you to control you. Um, which again, I think there's a little bit of trying to keep a little bit of historical, you know, facts in here. Obviously you kind of have to turn your eye and go, well, it's a, a mummy movie. It's going to be over the top. There's gonna be some great action. Clearly when they get to the end and they actually have this whole action sequence of these several mummies coming back to life and even the mummies that uh, were like the guards with like their, their, you know, like their cool curved blades they have and all that. A lot of that obviously is very like fun for the audience. And I also got to give a shout out to Jerry Goldsmith. The music in this movie oh, is I'm just, a great we're talking about this. I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and and think about this. I will say that, you know, this is going to be throughout the movies, but I got to say when this movie, these movies came out, especially the first one, you know, this is a big issue we've seen in filming um, that about casting, you know, appropriate actors. I thought they did a very good job casting actors that were authentic to a lot of these roles, um, you know, especially a lot of these Israeli actors and whatnot. I thought that was very smart in terms of, you know, they did a great job overall casting, not um, whitewashing characters or doing anything like that. I thought that was that was pretty great where I think movies still around this time weren't weren't doing that so well. It was more like we need to get a big name actor. Oh, they're not from that country. It's OK. They're going to fill butts and seats. That's not what we want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oded Fair, who plays Ardeth Bay, who, uh, you know, I love also that lore of we have this group that have been watching and protecting the Magi. city so that so that Imhotep would not come back uh, was a great uh, plot that I think, you know, will continue into the second movie. Um, but I love that. Yeah. I think there was some great casting here of not just, you know, having someone that is whitewashed or something that, um, which we've seen kind of been a problem in some other films in a horror genre before. Uh, but a lot of this, yeah, I think it, it does look also authentic. I think also the sets, you know, obviously a lot of this, you can go see if you go on the universal studio tour a lot, uh, the, the the tour there at Universal Studios, you could see some of the sets they use and stuff. But I mean, some of this is just grand scale, and I just, I I in to think that this this movie, again, looking at the history of the other films, which have been I think a little bit more or less of the action and more of this the the horror. You know, the mummy would kind of uh, you know get his victims and you know kind of seduce them in a way. There is that here too. I mean, we have the whole plot with Nox and the Moon. Like, he he thinks that Evelyn is like the reincarnation of his dead wife, and how that plays into you know a lot of this too of the creepy. Like he there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of like sexual stuff going on in this a movie. Of, too. A lot of tension going on. But even like that creepy moment where like he grabs her and kisses her, and he's as he's kissing her, his face oh, yeah, his is face. like <laughs> he's like rotting away. And I love too like. The moment where like Brendan Fraser has the cat and he's like, look, and it's like, and it's a very true thing that cats were seen as part of the underworld. So like he would be scared of that because that would be a sign of maybe his doom. So those little moments where I think they were true to things that we know about Egyptian history and, you know, 
I think it's just, it, it, it makes for such a fun movie. It definitely is one that I would look back on. You know, I don't, I, I, I would say probably if I had to be like list a hundred movies, you would, you know, if you only, if you only could pick a hundred movies the rest of your life, this would probably be up in there somewhere because oh, yeah. it, it's, it's just a great film and it did very well too. I mean, it had a budget of $80 million, which at that time, you know, for late nineties, is pretty big, especially with the amount of CGI they had to do. Um, but it did make over $400 million worldwide. It made 416.4, which I know like on nowadays now, we kind of look at some films and we're like, is that really a good amount? For that time, it definitely was. I think Universal saw this as definitely a hit, um, especially for that summer season, which clearly meant that, what, is, what does that mean, Taylor, if we have a, a good box office? It means sequel. We're going to have a sequel. We're doing it. And we sequel. did get a sequel. We got The Mummy Returns in 2001. Uh, so just two years later. So they were really turning this out. They were like, let's go. Steven Summers back. Uh, our entire main cast back to uh, reprise their roles. And the addition of a couple new actors, including Dwayne The Rock Johnson's first official film role. This is like his first movie as the Scorpion King. And you know what? The Mummy Returns has a lot of what you would expect for a, we got to go bigger. We got to go bolder. It's not as good a film by any means, but I think for some of the action, there is some great stuff. Um, There is one real bad moment of CGI. We'll get to in a second here, but um I, th- I think the premise, too, just starting off of when we had the almost the entire movie of the mummy set all in Egypt. I love that we have a lot of this set in England, like in London, um, seeing that clearly the mummy hunting business has been very good for our two characters. Yeah. If you think about a fun running gag in all the films, as I was just reading this and we rewatching these uh, every time they. Oh, we, darn it, we didn't get any treasure. They always seem to accidentally get something. And, of course, they got Benny's treasure for the last one. So, clearly, they got this gorgeous house. They have this huge house oh in London. God. It's uh, really nice looking. And now they have a son. And so, I think that was a cool moment, too, is we clearly have the two of them have worked out. Um, they're married. And Which they usually have a son. doesn't happen in some of these kind of films. Yeah. So it's kind of nice well, you look at Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, they always have the, the big quest. Uh, him and the girl walk off in the, in the sunset of the week, yeah. and then we don't see that person again. Um, but uh, I like this character of Alex who is British. We'll get to why that's important later. Uh, but he's, uh, he's very much like his mom. He, he knows a lot about Egyptian history. So clearly this is something that he's excited about. He's taken that from his mom, uh, wanting information, knowing about the different things. And this idea that this this contraption gets attached onto him, this bracelet, and it shows him how to get to this this giant oasis deep in you know in Egypt that's going to essentially be the home of where the Scorpion King is. Here's the ticker, though: he needs to get there in like seven days, otherwise he will die. <laughs> so it's like, oh, uh, we got to get going. So this does feel like very much a, a like a, a time is ticking movie. Yeah, and I do think that helps time, the pace. Yeah. yeah. But The Mummy is uh, back. This is the one thing I did kind of have a little bit of a, uh, I don't know if this makes sense. A little bit of gripe. The reincarnation, I guess, of an ox to the moon. Like, 
that kind of didn't really make any sense to me, but I think it was just like, we have to kind of move the story along. You know what I mean? Um, but I did like the idea that they dig up Imhotep and they like bring him to the London museum. They do this ritual and he's back and it's like, Hey, you know what? If you go and kill the Scorpion King, you could have his powers and become like Uber mummy, you know? And he's like, I will do that. Cause he thinks, hello, I have all these mummy powers. How the hell is the Scorpion King going to stop me? And I, I, again, I have that gripe of like, why is that character even back? doesn't make any sense, but I think they wanted this, this, this story. Also, they kind of go this whole thing about that Anox in the moon and that Evelyn was like Nefertiti. Like, she was like the Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah. So Evelyn, this whole time has been the reincarnation, uh, which, which is kind of weird. Cause it's retroacting. Like why was, cause Imhotep would have known her. So why yeah. is he like, yeah, so that's, so that was always kind of weird. I'm like, so we're just ignoring that he was kissing her and like, Oh, she's in a, <laughs> yeah. So that always kind of confused me, which I, I wish they didn't reincarnate her and it would have been, but it does add this cool element later where Evie becomes little more badass towards the end like she's always been kind of so they kind of had this thing where okay we you know which i thought was a really cool thing that we have in these films the book of the dead and the book of the living and i thought it was great that they actually utilize the books for not just for evil purposes um so i like that like they use it later but yeah that that always kind of like i don't think stephen summers was really i was like well now we gotta like figure that out and like I think with the tongue-in-cheek humor, it would have worked to be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Why well, was kissing you? You know, it would have been fun. Um, yeah, that that's a whole weird thing. But I will say, back to Imhotep, that's what makes him a compelling villain is because he is doing it for not just to be evil, but because it's all for love. But here, it's kind of like, okay, well, now I have my love. So it's like, it's kind of great now. I have her, I re reincarnate her spirit, and then I get her. So I think that was kind of cool. Like, okay, at least that one quest was done. You know, he's like, okay. And I mean, there... There are some fun big action moments in this movie. I love the sequence in London where they're they're being chased by these mummies and like the whole all the action on the bus is very, very fun. The double decker bus and Alex gets kidnapped. And so now it's like the quest to we have to go not only find our son, we need to stop this thing from happening. And it does I I think some of the puzzle pieces too, like Alex leaves little clues for them along the way. And he's you know, for the small kid, he's a very smart guy. Uh, that you know, and I, I, I love um, Adewale. Uh, I'm gonna butcher his name, Akanoe Agbaje. Probably butchering that, but you know, we've seen him in so many movies. He's awesome as Lochna. He's just like the tough, like dude. And like, I love he does that thing where like he does the knife, you know, kind of like an aliens, and it's like boom. And he's like, yeah, it was so close. What are you talking about? I missed. Yeah, they're <laughs> comedy between the two because he's like, I'm literally gonna kill this kid. Just tell me when. And I love their uh, comedy. Hmm. I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I can't do what like, he was watching. I can't do what he was watching. And he's like, bum, 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 and he just like shuts the door. Some great humor, but I love that it was kind of like, oh, we needed to have kind of like the opposite of, for of Art, Art of, of Bay. Bay. Oh, yeah. So he kind of has his, his like, yeah, enemy to fight. Um, but getting to, I mean, gosh, we get to meet uh, a great character, Izzy. So we had kind of the Benny character in the first film who was more of a villain. We get Izzy in this, played by Sean Parks, who I just love that introduction of seeing him. He's like, he's like, Izzy. It's like, nope, nope, not going to do it. O'Connell He's like, what? What? Come on. Last time I worked with you, I was shot in the ass. 
It's like a running theme. He's like, it's always oh, a running yeah. theme that, and again, I love that kind of Indiana Jones humor. Like, oh, look who, look who dragged in, you know, the bar, this guy, like Rick O'Connell of all the people. But I did like the, the kind of cool, I think it was kind of accurate too, of this blimp device. It makes it a little bit of that kind it's of sci-fi, original, yeah. but like, I just love that use. And then the mummy, like now, instead of, if, if sand's not going to get them, I'll do a big water wave tsunami through these caverns that was that was a cool sequence um building to get to the oasis and man i'll tell you one thing i was uh i remember the first time seeing this in the theater creeped me out i think i did not like about. these little these little pygmies oh my gosh that was this that creepy and it was creepy oh my gosh that was probably one of my favorite parts of this movie was just how okay we we have the scarabs we can't do that really those again what do we have next and oh my god these little things and they're like chasing them <laughs> Jonathan. Yeah, they have like the little little daggers are stabbing them. It was fun though, I think, with the you know, they see like, oh, that's like a that looks like some from Napoleon time, or like they see like different sets of uh you know clothing, and like clearly other people have strived to get to this oasis, but there's a lot of traps and stuff, you know. And it it, it did have a little bit of that lost world moment where like they're going through the long grass, and it's like <laughs> yeah, people are disappearing. Don't disappearing. go to the high grass. Um, and the big battle. Um, but I'll tell you, if there's one thing that was for me, what stands up as one of the most badass moments of this film is the army of Anubis, this like giant army that comes up from the sand that are they look like a bunch of Anubis, like, you yeah, know, these, jackal, the long jackal legs, humanoid, yeah, with these axes and stuff. And man, they have a huge battle with, you know, uh, Ardeth Bay and his crew are like, all right, and it's several thousands have come to to do this fight. Like all these clans come together. Because they know that if this thing takes over the world, it's going to destroy everything. And there's some great action, some great slow-mo. Um, I just love when things get their head chopped off and stuff. And there's like that one moment where like, yeah, Ardeth Bay, like he's almost got the axe thrown at him. He like just dodges it and then like kills. It makes a really cool epic grand scale like even more grand scale than we had in the first film all while we'll having this moment at the pyramid of rick versus emotep versus the scorpion king which again with the rock you know they said in the beginning of the movie that he was this warrior that <laughs> i love it it's like he fought for seven years I'm like seven years seven years that's how long this battle took seven years I don't think it took seven years. No, it probably took seven days. That's why it took seven days of the pyramids. <laughs> but they, they're like seven years. And at the end, he lost. So he's out in the desert wondering. And he's like, you know, cursing to the gods, like, let me live. And so this scorpion basically stings him. And then this huge oasis builds. And he becomes a scorpion king who can control the armies of Anubis. So the fact that when we get to this big final moment and... The idea too that I love that it's like if you go into this chamber, you will not have the powers of the mummy. You, you have will to be fight mortal. as a mortal. Yep. Mm -hmm. So you think, okay, well, you know, I'm sure Imhotep's got some moves. He's got you know some tricks up his sleeve, and then Rick's going to be in there battling as well. But then the doors open, and the Scorpion King literally is—he looks like a, a a Minotaur in reverse, or like a centaur. He's like a centaur scorpion. Is what it really is. Yeah. So it's like this was the moment that was okay. The CGI wasn't as good as it could have been, and they definitely did a moment of The Rock doing his classic 
you know, do you smell what the rock is cooking? Look, <laughs> um, but the idea that, yeah, it was like his head on this giant scorpion body was a, it was, it was kind of fun. Cause he's a scorpion King, a little goofy, but it just makes it, he's a huge beast. I know? think would have been cool is if it, he came out as a rock for a bit and then he like sees the two of them and then he transformed just into a giant scorpion, not a weird hybrid, but just like a scorpion with a lot of practical effects. That would have worked, I think, better. I think, yeah, because it, it, it just like, you know, it's <laughs> it's kind of reminds me. It's a weird reference. You know, like, um, you know, like Spon- the SpongeBob movie. Did you ever see the SpongeBob movie? There's several of them, so I'm okay. not sure. Well, there's one where the, it's like the little granny and then she's all like this. She's just like a all like a gelatin kind of thing. And that's what it just looked like. He just like the slimy thing. Like, oh, we're just going to slap on there. It's like, all right, school projects over. We went the. Uh, professionals to make this monstrosity but i think because was like well the rock is in the film so we need to have him a little bit more <laughs> yeah they probably were like um you can't just have him in the beginning of the movie and then nothing at the end they have to see his face and i'm sure that was a big part of his agent getting him to do the film but i mean yeah the, the last big action scene of this this three-way fight and this whole scepter that opens up to be like a huge spear and that's how you you know, take out the Scorpion King and, and even Emotep. Emotep really does die for good this time. There's like a hell pit or something in this, in, the, in all these like bodies, and he like falls down, and like all the bodies are like taking him, all these hands, you yeah, know. Yeah, because the Nux and the Moon, she gives up him and like they kill him off. And then Rick and them are hanging there, but they're both loves of their lives are there, reincarnated. They had a cool battle. And Nux and Moon is a little like, she's a little uh, wimp. She like <laughs> leaves the fight, she sees him. You know, Evie saves him, and then he's like, I'm looking at on, and she's like, no! And she like, screams, and then runs away, and he's like, heartbroken. He's like, well, I have nothing to live for. You were the reason I was here. And I just love how he looks at, he has this creepy look, he looks over at Rick and them, and he's like, well, and he just gives up. So it was like, <laughs> it was kind of like sad, almost, but it was like, man, that's how he goes out this time? Man, oh. And then, of course, she gets her come up, and she falls in a bed of, um, I don't know what they are. Maybe they're scarabs, we don't know. Um... But it's such a cool thing where basically the, everything that Oasis just gets sucked into this vortex and they got to get out of there quick. And uh, <laughs> of course, Jonathan, I've got to get it. This giant diamond at the yeah, top of the pyramid. Always wanting the diamond. It's like ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a, like I said, it, it's a sequel where it has to take some bigger leaps to keep the audience entertained. And it wasn't swings, as few misses. You know. Yeah. You know, not everything worked, but it was a bigger movie. A budget of ninety-eight million dollars, and it made four hundred thirty-five million. So, it did very well. You know, just as but a little bit better than the original. But for the budget increase, it wasn't like a huge, you know, six seven hundred million dollar hit. But the Mummy still had some legs. And actually, you know what, Taylor? Let's take a quick break. We're gonna get back to more Mummy talk. Let's keep it under wraps, though. Okay. All right, everybody, with all of these reboots and new sequels coming out, it's time we unearth a beloved franchise and an iconic monster of cinema, The Mummy. The Mummy? You mean the Tom Cruise version? No, I don't even want to hear that version uttered in this room. Come on, the Brendan Fraser movies are a beloved modern classic, and those that grew up on them are begging for more. And It's been almost 15 years since Mummy 3. And you know how that turned out. 
Uh, yeah, but I mean, have we already, you know, kind of wrapped this franchise up? <laughs> I think people are mummified by all this waiting. All I'm hearing is negative Nancys and silly mummy puns here, but I'm glad you brought that up, Phil. I've got our ace in the hole. We're calling in the big guns. You don't mean. Oh, I mean. Ta-da! Hey, hey, pleasure to see you all once again. Now, for those of you here in a room who may not know me from last time, the name's Kip Crap. That's K-I-P-K-R-A-P. And listen, I am so freaking excited to work with you guys. The last time I came in and bailed this studio out with some sexy dinosaurs, we had a time of our lives. Now listen, I stayed in a hostel last night, met some young dudes. We're going to go backpacking in a place called, uh, what was that place called? I got a paper here. Pragu? Anyway, we're going to go to Pragu and do some traveling. But anyway, I am so well slept and I am ready to bail you out once again, because I dreamed up some pretty dreamy ideas. You ready? Well, actually, we were just saying how we think we can leave this franchise in the tomb, and once it came. What? Nonsense! Hey, that's Poppy Dick. By the way, leave the jokes and puns to old Kip here. You just sit back, or shit back, and wait for what I've got in store for you. Now wait just a minute. That'll be enough talk there from the Peppermint Gallery. Now listen, I got scripts galore here all ready to go. I got sequels. I got prequels. Requels. Dequels. Upquels. Sidequels. Downquels. Nyquels. I got in-betweequels. Hey, I even got an animated kids show. Listen to this. Four words for you. Sock. Puppets. Oh my god, what is that smell? That, my friends, is the smell of success. And a little bit of Old Spice. And my feet. Anyway, next up here, we take the Mummy franchise and add, wait for it, listen to this. <clears throat> it's Indiana Jones! Indiana Jones! That's right! The crossover of the century. Now, come on. Hey, old Harrison Ford still got some juice left in the old melon there and in the airplane tank if he ain't crashing at first. Now, with the power of makeup, we can de-age him. Uh, I don't know about that. Okay, okay, okay. Hey, I, I got a million of them. All right, here's another one. So here, we create a mummy romance movie, uh, like a like a, a midnight or a dusk novel vampire movie. Okay, so listen, there's a love triangle between the Bride of Frankenstein, Loch Ness, and the mummy himself. Ugh, gross. Yeah, I'm gonna need a minute with that one. That's right, I call it Mummy Loves Daddy, plus another person. And just think of the merch. Um, merch? Oh, the merch! Merch. We're talking video games, virtual reality, phones, phone cases, cases of phones, the whole 12 yards, stickers, Black Friday shopping, t-shirts, bags, action figures. And that's not all. I'm talking mummy-themed weddings, reality shows. Well, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves here. What about this? Mummy the Lego movie. I mean, it'll be great. We'll reach a whole new demographic. Lego nerds, the little uh, little kiddos, you know what I'm saying? Well, now we're just being lazy. No, 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 it's not being lazy. It's being lucrative, okay? Lucrative. Maybe a little lazy. We'll call it lucratazy. 
Now, I'm making a big bucks here, and I want you to make them, too. Now, here's my next one. This is a bazillion-dollar movie sequel. Could be an in-betweenquel, whatever you want to call it. Now, here we go. Mummy idea. We bring back, uh, what's his name, Frasier Brendan. We bring back the girl, the whole kit and caboodle. We set it in 1945 in the very closing moments of World War II. I got five words for you. Nazi freaking mummies. Huh? That's right. The bad guy, Hitler, wants an undead army to turn the tides of war. We call it the mummy, dead to Reichs. That's another one of those puns there. Nazi mummies, it's brilliant. And oh my God, think of the toys. The toys, the toys. The uh, video guys, games. Uh, this is getting out of hand again. Now, now we told you this is what happened. But did you listen? Guys, and they are. No. I know, I know, okay? I'm sorry. Now, Nazis aren't sexy. They're not fun for the kids. But you know what's fun for the kids? Animals. So they could be inspired by the Nazis, but we'll make them into little anthropometric characters, like animals. Like, how about this guy, for instance? I brought a little model. Meet Joseph Gobbles. Now, he's a turkey. So he's inspired by a real-life guy, but we don't actually talk about who he actually is. You know, but he's a nice little turkey. I mean, he's still a bad guy, and he's still fighting the mummy. And the mummy's going to win because... And we're back here talking about the Mummy franchise from Stephen Summers and the future of that. I do want to go next before we get to the next film. We did have, you know, with, with The Rock being the Scorpion King, we did get this prequel film called The Scorpion King uh, a year later. And it was like a spinoff film. And it really showed more Dwayne Johnson as, you know, the warrior that he was and kind of overtaking this like emperor dude. And, you know, I've seen that film a few times. I actually do enjoy it for what it is. It's um, it's not really one that's more of the fantasy element, kind of like the mummy movies are. It's more grounded in like a true like action kind of film. Uh, but I think, you know, for one, one, his kind of first lead role of actually leading a full movie, he did pretty well in it. You know, it wasn't like a groundbreaking film by any means. Uh, has a couple good actors in there. Michael Clark Duncan, of course, is great in there. Um, there is a character that's supposed to be, she's supposed to be kind of like a sorceress, if you will. So she has a, there's, again, there's like a little bit of this, um, of, of a little bit of that fantasy. I just remember it being, like pretty cool action. There's some cool action scenes in there um, and trying to like go more into the lore of who this character is. And I think from the, when we saw mummy two, we didn't really get much of like who this guy was because he didn't really have any dialogue. Actually, I don't think the rock has like really any dialogue in the whole movie. So I think it was like, all right, let's actually go and see like, how did he become this character? How would he eventually become the threat that we know in mummy returns? But did you you've seen Scorpion King, yeah? Yeah, a couple a couple times. A couple actually. times, yeah. I remember. I, probably, I think I probably did see it in theaters when it came out, um, and I was just kind of excited because I thought that w- this is kind of great that we, again, we haven't really got. This is just the start of where movies are getting more prequels. I would say we're coming into a time. Think about 1999. We got you know Phantom Menace. You know, so you're starting this trend. A lot of like, well, let's do this, and I think that was smart because. Beginning with this, you could do a whole franchise up until, you know, where he meets his end and then becomes cursed. So I thought that, you know, but I did like it a lot. I, you know, I think this is, you know, a proper introduction to The Rock. Because, I mean, again, 
you know, we get, like you said, no dialogue, not much substance to Mummy 2. And then we get this, and it's like, you get the swagger, and this is, man, he is jacked. I'm like, everyone was like, oh, keep your shirts on in the summer, because we are not that that fit. So I was like, yeah. And so I do remember that. And, and speaking of that, I'll kind of go back and forth real quick here. We got Mummy Returns and then Scorpion King. This is, again, the time when movies are getting video games, and then video games are becoming more and more a thing. I do remember, and I think I told you this, I was actually excited because of PlayStation 2, I, when I first got that, they did have a Mummy Returns, they had a Mummy and a Mummy Returns video game. The Mummy Returns video game was pretty cool in the sense that you kind of replay the events of the movie, with the exception is you could play as a, as a Rick O'Connell, so you get the guns, all that stuff, or you can play as Imhotep, and you can suck the souls of people, and like you could use oh, spells. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of like, I remember the, like, the, the first mission, you're like, oh, Imhotep, rise! And then you get these powers, you're like killing security guards and like throwing people away. You have to write, avoid cats, speaking of which. Um, so that was cool. And then the Scorpion King video game actually was a lot of fun. So I think that was really oh, cool. cool. But um, yeah, I do I do love that. And it's actually a film I would love to go back and revisit. Yeah. And the thing I'm surprised about is the Scorpion King has had multiple sequels and spinoffs, all of which have been like straight to, you know, DVD or like streaming. Um, there's a Scorpion King two, three, four, and then a movie called Book of Souls, uh, none of which have the rock in them. So <laughs> it's just like, and this was like years later, like 2008. So I think when they started ha having this idea of the third mummy movie was going to be made, maybe they had like, oh, we should make something, even if it's like a low budget, uh, you know, spinoff straight to DVD kind of thing. So it's been kind of surprising that it's had all these um, spinoffs, but I unfortunately uh, have to admit I saw one of the spinoffs. The, the oh, second one. Which one? Uh, I saw the uh, Rise of a Warrior, the Rise Scorpion of a Warrior? King Two, and um, literally um, <laughs> this one. We're taking it way back to young Matthias. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I remember my mom. This is this is a time I gotta I gotta give my mom a little flack. She was the Red Box Queen uh, and still is. Uh, they still have out there. But I remember she got this, like, hey, we should watch this. And I'm looking at the cover. Like, I don't know any of these people. So, and, you know, I'm not, you know, I guess we can say Chris and I are kind of movie snobs in our own right. But, I, I you know, I, I'm getting better at my aficionado title. But I looked at that. I was like, no. I was like, no, let's watch it. It's a dollar. Literally 20 minutes on there. I was like, the CGI is so bad. You thought uh, Scorpion King hybrid human uh, Scorpion thing was bad. This one, I was like, 20 minutes. I was like. This acting, it was like a soap opera and a really bad CGI budget. I was like, Matthias, oh. you were here. Oh my god, it was so bad. So I, I actually would love to just go back and we try to watch all of those. And just it would be a good binge to yeah, watch all of them and, and see how far we can make them. Cause I know like the third one has like Billy Zane in it, and then the fourth one has Ron Perlman in it. Oh um, my god. So like clearly they, they were able to get some somewhat notable actors, even if they're, you know, not not really that great at films. Uh, and one thing I wanted to bring up too was the popularity of the mummy movies definitely uh, has gone into the Universal Studio theme parks. Uh, definitely Florida, Hollywood, and Singapore have had the Revenge of the Mummy coaster attraction, which is a really cool roller coaster ride. I finally got the opportunity to do that uh, last year with the brothers in our brothers' trip. Uh, we went and um, got to Universal for the day. That is a fantastic ride with cgi with actual flames that fly at you it's pretty awesome and a lot of uh 
like actual like animatronics uh like right in the beginning of the ride you kind of turn a corner and there's all these arms waking up the nemotep's like your soul belongs to me um <laughs> and it's a great coaster because it is like a a, a forward moving coaster and then there's backward moments of the coaster and it's it's a, a ride that people really really love the one that is kind of unique about the florida attraction is it does set up more like you're going like on the set of the mummy there's actual video of Brendan Fraser, like behind the scenes. Um, so they kind of went a little more that way. Whereas Hollywood's more just like a, like you have a lot of the Egyptian props and stuff from the movie, but the ride's more built to be just like a, a mummy experience, but they've had like stilt walkers a lot and different characters. Um, I don't really know if they've had like Rick and Evelyn, but they've had like, you know, Pharaohs or Nefertiti and stuff like that. You can like kind of meet uh, maybe Imhotep. So definitely the mummy has had a, a presence in the theme parks. And the thing is, you know, if you're just going to go straight with the Egyptian theme the whole time, you know, we, we could have continued on with other characters, but there was a desire to make another mummy movie still with Brenner Frazier. This time, Steven Summers uh, only staying on as producer. It was directed by Rob Cohen, but we got in 2008, the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor. And this, you know, now I, you know, Imhotep, definitely died at least from my understanding of the of mummy too so now it was going to be all right we're, we're going to go to a whole new character a new part of the world and jet lee stepping in here as the dragon emperor this movie i just rewatched it we both did. for this recording we both did and the thing is there are things that work in this film but there's a lot of things that just don't work in this film and it's almost like a butchering of what has been the legacy only because there's just so many goofy moments. And like the, the first thing that really like, I was like, you know what, actually I could see that, you know, it, it could have worked if the mummy, if the mummy series had been really successful, you could have gone to like, Oh, we, we do China. Then we go to like Peru. Then we go to like Africa, uh, you know, deep Africa. Then we go to maybe like, you know, Antarctica, you know, they could, they could have done all these things where it's like, maybe different types of mummies in different parts of the world. And it's like a series, like, you know, a very serial in nature of. I would Rick mind a, mu a mummy, a movie, a different yeah. mummy, every movie. I would have been fine with that. But this movie, a lot of people actually complain that realistically, the mummy's not, he, he's not a mummy. <laughs> you no. know, he's no. not an actual mummy. Um, we have this whole, yeah, he's the, the dragon emperor. He meets this witch. She puts this, spell on him that turns him into a terracotta and all his warriors which again i do like when they have a little touch of like what is an actual historical thing but he there's like these masters that have taught him the five elements so he can control fire ice wood all this kind of stuff and he basically wants to take over the world and our our connells have been in retirement for a while and you can tell that it's really getting to rick we did not have rachel weiss back for this third film she did not come back so maria bello steps in for the character of evelyn and she's okay but it's again one of those things where you're like you watch any movie and you really fall in love with that character but someone else you're like well i don't really it's that and i also like no offense maria bello Great, but I don't think they had great chemistry between her and Brenda Fraser. It wasn't the same chemistry. So it kind of felt a little weird, like, who are you and what are you doing in Rachel Wise's place? So yeah, that that I think I think maybe even not having 
if they weren't going to have Evelyn back, it would have been like, not to kill her off, but like maybe not even have her more a personal story between father and son. Yeah. That could have worked. Cause that's really more the core of this film. And that right there is a big problem for me too, is we all watched the mummy returns. We enjoyed the mummy returns. Alex was full on British. Now I do understand that if he was to then, if he like was brought to America the day after the Oasis was destroyed and he never went back to England. And, you know, sometimes that can happen, but it was, it was tip. It was like such a weird choice to like, no, Alex is a full on much like his dad, American character. So almost like he changed like the first one, he's more like his mother. And then this one, no, he's more like his father. It was like, yeah, he's very much the action going uh, adventurer looking for tombs. He wasn't really as, as smart as he once was as a kid in, in my head. And he also like the fact that <laughs> the casting, they decided to cast someone who Brendan Frazier, that really was his son. He would no way have been able to father him because he basically was like too old to be it. And he just didn't like, for me going back and watching this, I don't know if you agree. The, he didn't have the charisma. Like I, I, I found myself really like, I don't really like him. And they kind of shoehorn in this little romance with this other person, but it's kind of weird, you know, like, cause they, they meet randomly like, Hey, Hey, remember we met in that tomb? Uh, Oh, I'm already like, I know I got to stop this uh, terracotta emperor thing, but I have time to hook up with you. It was just so, <laughs> it's like, what, what is happening here? Um, but the saving grace for me, one of the saving graces, of course, having Jonathan back. Uh, and he's yes, like, I love, he has a club in <laughs> Shanghai. Oh my God. Uh, called Imhotep's. <laughs> So he has a full Egyptian theme bar and he's living the high life. He he honestly that that you been great like would have been a great moment is like you pan over and we see the dance moves from Temple of Doom and it's like oh that that would have been a funny like Easter egg like he owns the club that they're doing that in that would be kind of funny but he is a he is a saving grace because he is really funny in this movie and we do get a lot of ridiculous stuff going on. I mean one not only does the emperor have these power of the elements. So he's got more powers and you know, all this crazy stuff. But then we get to this whole like Shangri-La situation. Which was and- a wasted opportunity. They should have more in Shangri-La. I'm like, you have this amazing oasis. No, we're just getting out of here. And we also have these, these, oh, sorry, I'm going back and forth here. Um, but I was thinking, you think about, and we talked about this, um, mentioning the Drake's Fortune, Uncharted games. I mean, there's one where they go to Shangri-La and that's a huge part of the movie. I think that would have been great to focus a little bit more on that. Yeah, because it almost feels like the way that this movie ends is like just a useless battle. Um, now, clearly, the Shangri-La story was to have the Emperor kind of become immortal um, again or whatever, and he becomes a three-headed dragon at some point. Again, kind of ridiculous. But the thing, too, is like they have this whole, this whole big fight scene with a bunch of these Emperor warriors, and it's like the girl's like, La, 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 la. And all of a sudden, three Yetis show up. We have these abominable snowman, panther-looking things show up, and they only are there for that sequence, which I thought was like, okay, you know, again, we're going to like a bit of the fantasy. Yeah, the, we're in the Himalayas. You know, yeah, Himalayas. So I'm like, okay, this the, a lot of this movie has more of that Asian feel. So I'm like down for that, but I'm like, they should have continued on the rest of the movie. They just like help kind of defeat the emperor at that moment and then they leave and it's like okay we're uh thank you and we'll there's one moment where they kick one of the bad guy henchmen 
and then they do a hands up motion like it's football. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are the like, we did it. Yeah, humor moments. I'm like, oh. um, and then I feel bad. Like we have Michelle Yeoh in here as the sorceress who like is still alive this whole time, and that is her daughter. So they have like supremely long life. Like she was definitely alive three thousand years ago. Just all these question marks and. Yeah, a big part of this is like the the bonding, yeah, of father and son of like like Rick gets really hurt at one point. And so like you know, think he might be dead, and then how him and his his son kind of unite and and even like how the <laughs> this crazy bonkers final fight sequence where yeah, he becomes a dragon. At one point he becomes like a like a Chinese dragon dog thing and is running around. He 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 can become these weird creatures, which is so dumb. But then it's like he has his terracotta warriors. But then Michelle Yeoh's like, "Well, rise, all of those who were wrongly killed, like my husband or my love interest." And then yeah. all of them are like half zombie skeletons, and they have this huge fight sequence. But the ending is like they have, "Oh, we have this blade that if you put it through the heart of him, it will actually kill him." But the blade gets broken in half at one point, and so I, I literally at first I was like is that a divide sign in the sand? Was that just like a happenstance? And he's like, divide and conquer. So the fact that like the father and son know we have to like keep punching this guy, keep getting him. And then they basically use two different sides of the blade and they stab it through his heart. And somehow it like connects and then that kills the emperor. When he looked <laughs> at the dirt, it was like division sign? Yeah, <laughs> like he's like divide and conquer. I'm like, oh yeah, you could totally read that right then and there. Uh, it's just goofy. There's a lot of goofy moments in it. And I mean, I, I think some of the CGI looks good and some of the action's fun. And again, if it had been a movie, I'm like, okay, now they're going to go to another chapter and continue. But it just, it did almost, there's always been humor in the movies. It almost played a little bit too much with the humor. Like we have this whole opening sequence where Rick is is trying to fish and he's terrible at it and he ends up shooting the fish. And then it's like, we're going to have fish for dinner. And then they bring the fish. Doesn't look that great. And he's like, uh, yeah, I caught it myself. And then she takes the first bite, Evelyn, and she literally has a bullet. I'm like, is this is this what we're doing? Like, it just, well, and, and it's also, funny. like, they're yeah. referencing themselves, like, oh, from yeah, the first I, two I, movies. Yeah, but in not in a good way. Like, I killed two mummies. He's like, you killed one. Yeah, twice. Like, all these Same mummy. Like, twice yeah it's like okay we know we it, we're here this is the third one we know what happened the other one we don't need to like re refer to that unless it alexander o'connell do not get on that horse <laughs> like i'm like what is this is, is this like we're doing father talk in yeah. all this crazy chase scene through the city i do love when he's on the horse he's like his hand like goes like this do not get off yeah <laughs> now i will say the budget was higher yes. 145 million a lot more cgi in this especially for the emperor Jetly, I think Jetly did a good job. You know, he, sometimes when he's given a role where it's like he has to be kind of a over-the-top villain, he he knows what he's doing. I think Jetly's more enjoyable when he's kind of more of the heroic type, where he gets a little more quiet. This is like he had to be purposely like you know like we're going to destroy the world. So I think there were some fun moments in here and the the use of powers. You know, this is a closer man. Uh, this is a closer man. Uh, Mandarin than we've had in uh, Iron Man. Still, um, just saying. Shang-Chi was fun, but uh, still wasn't the Mandarin in my mind. Um, but uh, it made $403.4 million. So, like, it was the lowest of the three Mummy movies, but it still made over $400 million. So, I think, clearly, there was a, a desire to maybe continue 
Because again, Universal's going to see if the movie's going to make money. And even at the end, there was that telling where it's like, you know, I want to go somewhere where there's no mummies. Let's go to Peru. And then like the tagline's like, they eventually found mummies in Peru. <laughs> you know, I'm like, which I think that would kind of would have worked. But clearly Universal was like, no, we're not going to continue with this. We're going to start a whole new franchise for the mummy. Now, we knew that there was this talk of this dark universe where they were going to plan to, you know, everyone was seeing what Marvel was doing. They wanted to have their own little universe, their own little connected movies. And the first movie to come out of dark universe and realistically the only movie to come out of dark universe was the mummy in 2017. So this was a re reboot, if you will, with Tom Cruise. I remember seeing the trailers for this and I was very hyped for it. I did not end up seeing the film. And from everything I've heard, I should keep it that way. Yes. You have seen the film. <laughs> I'm your, I'm your uh, go-to source here. For yeah. Films now, obviously has fans of you and I are of the, these Steven summer movies always okay with like a new take, you know, a new horror take a new character, all that stuff. But like, did, did was there enough tissue in the Tom Cruise movie to work to maybe actually start this dark universe or did it feel like it was so dead on arrival that it was like yeah I could see why they just they just cut the whole well well, like I said to to kind of sum it up I would say it it was just like here's a movie mess Tom Cruise is going to be in it and it's like they had this whole thing where okay now we're doing a different mummy but this is like a, a female so we don't have any like she just she's just gonna become a plague on this earth. There was no like love story with you know, but it's a weird thing where you know she comes back to life like same old thing has these powers, but he's like uh, he was killed. He's brought back to life, and then um, he ends up getting these powers and in, in the end, and then he kind of like goes off. Um, but he's like, oh, it's a curse. I can't be away. You know, he becomes like a monster. They also have, like, they're trying to connect this large universe. Russell Crowe in this is a Dr. Jekyll Hyde thing. Yeah. So that's kind of like, it was kind of weird because it's like, well, what does this have to do? You know? So there's that. And then kind of they leave it off where, oh, we're going to go off and, you know, maybe help help other people, something like that. So it just kind of like, it's such a, I don't know. It was, the movie's almost too rushed. There's no... There's no none of that scary horror elements. I think that made the first two, at least the first, you know, two, really great. And the humor, there's no humor. There's no like I don't really care for these characters. So yeah, I, I would think if you wanted just a bad movie just to kind of laugh at, it was that. And it was just like, it's really a shame that I think what they should have done is started with a different character to kind of do the dark universe where there hasn't been, you know, like maybe because I know there was talks about doing the Invisible Man. Uh, man wolf uh man wolf all these i think it'd have better to start somewhere else like because this was such a beloved franchise with steven summers that it's kind of hard to you know that was now was riding on it you know yeah and it just i mean now we know that there has been there has been some movies announced that are i don't think they're really taking the place of the dark universe and the dark universe is just dead now and they had the one film and it didn't work and so they're like eh, that's just not gonna work but we've had you know, we had the Invisible Man come out. That was really enjoyable. We have a Wolfman movie coming up with Ryan Gosling. Um, we know there's a Renfield movie coming up 
with Nick Cage as Dracula. So like there's clearly movies that are being built and made still around our original kind of main universal monsters. But it is curious to see what could happen for the future of the mummy. You know, now that Brendan Fraser is, I mean, obviously we were all very uh, shocked and sad to hear that Batgirl will not be released in any form uh, because he was cast as Firefly and that, which would have been really fun to see him as uh, that villain. But he has other roles that he's been offered and he's kind of getting back uh, in the limelight. And obviously a lot of us who are big fans of his in his heyday, you know, George of the Jungle, uh, clearly the Mummy movies, all that. I mean, people are fending for him to kind of have uh, lead roles again and a huge success again. So it's not out of the question with all the stuff we've seen of reboots and bringing back old characters there always is a possibility that we get a new mummy adventure where he is more of the older dad character and maybe Alex is kind of, you know, more of doing this stuff. But I mean, again and recast. Yeah, <laughs> and recast. Um, but there's always a possibility that, you know, they could go back to the mummy franchise if he'd be willing to do it, which I'm sure he would be. Um, clearly he's not, um, you know, a lot of stuff happened with Brenda Frazier we're not going to get into, but, uh, you know, he's not... He doesn't look like he once did in terms of uh, the hunk of the day. But I'm, I think with some, you know, with with the trainer and with some, you know, all that stuff, I feel like we could get Rick O'Connell back on the screen. Uh, I would love that. Uh, you know, I'm like, even even if you look at the mummy, the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, the best part of the movie still is is Brendan Fraser. So I honestly would love we get John, John Hanna back. We get Brendan Fraser, get Rachel Weiss. We we ignore the tomb of the emperor. We don't reference that, and then we have them going to like Peru, or um, yeah, Africa or anywhere. You know, like okay, let's set them during the fifties. You know, or maybe late fifties, sixties. You know, um, yeah, even just like a whole new adventure. Like I could see that. I would I would see it again, and then just go back to the roots of what made the first two really great. Um, you know, going to that, I would be really up for that. Um, but um, yeah, it's just it's just such a great. It was such a great combination. And if Stephen Summers comes back, I think that would be huge. I think it would be great for him uh, to do be at the helm again. Yeah, because Stephen Summers, unfortunately, after the Mummy, pretty much everything he's made has just gone continually downhill ever since. Um, I think the man has very unique visions he has he has a very visionary take on his films but not everything makes sense from a plot point like like you know van helsing for example that to me is kind of what i think universal ultimately would have wanted in like a dark universe of multiple franchises in the one film but a lot of it is so over the top and bonkers and there's some plot points that just don't make sense that it's like okay the man knows how to handle cgi and some big name actors but it's hard to really recreate the what all worked in that first Mummy movie. Um, and a couple of the movies he's done since, too, have just been panned as terrible. And so he hasn't directed anything since Odd Thomas back in, I think, 2016. So he's been kind of out of the limelight for a while, too. 2013. Or 13. So it's yep. almost 10 years yeah. since the last movie. Um, and you know, I think when this movie, when these Mummy movies come out, he was like the hot taken in hollywood you know that's why he was getting all these big movies to direct so i mean we've talked about this like you know again with streaming sites maybe mummy needs to go to a series maybe a limited maybe a limited series maybe just 
you know, six episodes uh, season. Like I said, who knows? But I would even, you know, what actually be great. And I'm just throwing this out there, Hollywood. If you're listening, you should be because this is the hottest podcast out there. We should have a Dark Universe series. Each season is a different monster, and then they reference it in each one. And then they're gonna, then there'll be like a season that connect. So maybe we got Wolfman, we've got the Loch Ness monster, we've got the Mummy, we've got Dracula. Um, I don't know, just all these little things, or even. Do it like Penny Dreadful. Do it like a show where, where it's called all, Dark Universe. Yeah, and they're all and they're, they're already here. They're, they're already all here. existing. We just see how they finally connect and interact. You know, you go to London and see how you know Dr. Jekyll and Hyde have been doing stuff, and then it goes to Transylvania and we meet the Count, and then you go to Egypt and we meet Imhotep, and then you know it's like, and then you have moments of why they need to connect, whether for good or for bad, because. Um, I think some of the ideas they had were good. It's just, it's not hard when you look, it's like, I think to a lot of these old universal monsters, you have all the DNA in these old movies. Those are are iconic for a reason. They were simple plots, simple movies. We don't need all this grand scale. Like I think the Tom Cruise thing was like, I remember he had all this talk about like, there's one scene where like it's zero G in the plane. I'm like, no one gives a crap. (laughs) Like, is the story good? Just remember the trailer? (laughs) He's yeah. screaming at yeah. play. I'm like, I, I don't care. Like, you know, so anyway, you know, we'll be curious to see what happens with the future. I know right now we just gotta keep looking ahead to the offerings universe is gonna to do, but with them still holding the rights to a lot of these famous creatures, hopefully we will see some uh mummies come back to life. Yes, uh, not, especially not our famous that, let's not bury this uh character for too long, so <laughs> Who knows? But uh, thanks for listening today, folks, to a potential podcast. Uh, We'll be with you very soon with some more potential picks later this week. Until next time, I'm Chris. I'm Taylor. Imhotep. 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 And now, live from Cairo, it's I'm your mummy, and I've got a gross little tummy. Time to do a mummy rep. (laughs) It's the mummy rep. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast, or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, the Potential Podcast at Yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.